1: Thank you for tuning into a new week here on the podcast. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh. We'd like to welcome each and every one of our listeners, those listening for the first time especially, those from our foreign countries, our homeschoolers, chapel service, commuters, friends, family, enemies alike. We certainly would like to welcome you to the podcast. Uh, We want to be a help and a blessing. We're still in the book of Matthew. We'll take the book of Matthew clear into the new year. And then sometime after the new year, and when we finish the book of Matthew, we'll take a little bit of a break and have some others do podcasts, have some other special messages. But for now, we're going to continue on the book of Matthew. And it's interesting as we come up on this Christmas season, you'll see as we wind down the podcast here this week, the weeks following, as we come to this time of year, we'll begin to see the cross, begin to see Jesus Christ's last days on earth. And we're kind of getting to this place now in Matthew chapter 23, where we'll start today. And it's interesting when you look at the cross in light of the birth of Christ and the reason why he came, what a joy it brings to my heart, what a joy it ought to bring to your heart to understand that he was made of flesh and he was made for us. And then he was made sin for us that knew no sin and uh, by him and by his name and in his name only that there is redemption for sin, there's salvation in his name and how we thank and praise him. Matthew chapter 23 today deals with a little bit different subject. We've talked about this briefly, uh, but we waited going in depth on this until today because of the depths of Matthew chapter 23, and it really is the Pharisee uh, chapter. He deals with the scribes and the Pharisees, and of course, last week on the podcast, we also dealt with the Sadducees, who, uh, word of God says, they say there is no resurrection. Now we deal with the Pharisees. We deal with the scribes. We deal with the religious order of the day. Apostle Paul himself was a Pharisee, and we see that as Jesus Christ begins to deal with them, then Jesus spake to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So they're in a place as lawgivers. They're in a place as Moses sat, overseers of the law, overseers of the sacrifice, overseers of the offering. They have done this, and they've put themselves in that position, and that really is a picture of most religion today. There are very few religions that are not overseen by men, and rather than the Word of God, and men have ideals, and they make sure that those practices or those ideals or their philosophies are put into play, and they make sure that they have a a paramount understanding in their worship service and the time that, that folks assemble together, and they make sure that their doctrines of men are taught and practiced. and. There are men today that are true Pharisees. There are ladies today that are true Pharisees. They put themselves in Moses' seat. They're going to put themselves in a place where they make all the decisions and all the choices, and yet not necessarily because of God. They just have ideals, and they have philosophies, and they have laws, and many of them are good laws. I've used many times in my personal preaching— Uh, which is always a public message, by the way. Cults have secret messages. I have no secret message. Everything I do is on the up and up and outward, and it's for the public. And you deal with issues. And there are folks that make issues doctrine. And doctrine does not resolve well with issues. And there are folks that will take issues of life right now. And uh, we are watching a courtship. And uh, some of you listening may be involved in a courtship. And yet it's a choice the parents make. It's a choice that young couples make. They're going to have some oversight. They're going to have to make sure that they watch over one another with others watching over them to make sure they don't slip into sin because that that heart is so deceitful. That heart is so desperately wicked. Your flesh is so desperately wicked. And so to make sure you don't fall into sin or choose to go into sin, they put some oversight. Also for testimony's sake, they put some oversight. But there are folks that have made that a doctrine. There are folks that have taken that and made it a doctrinal thing. They'll lay that burden on young people, but they won't help them one bit with that. And that's the idea of what we're looking at. And it's not that because you're a court and you're a Pharisee, but when you begin to make it a doctrine over the word of God, and then you lord over those things, and you start making the rules about what people are allowed to do and not allowed to do, and you don't have a pony in the race, then my friend, you're really in trouble. You've really become a Pharisee. And to me, I look at that and say, well, the parents are in charge of that. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. The parents are in charge of that situation. And you give that liberty to them. But the scribes and Pharisees could not do that. I'm using that as an example to help you understand where we're going with this today. He said, they're all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. Why? They're in Moses' seat. They're giving you good law. They're giving you good instruction. But he says, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. I've had many people that claim they believe something, claim they believe the Word of God, claim they believe the doctrines of God, claim they believe the offering of the soul of Jesus Christ, claim they believe uh, the, the understanding of these things we're speaking of today with courtship and the principles of courtship, the principles of guarding yourself and guarding your heart. And they say they believe those things, but when it comes down to it, they themselves do not do them. Yet they'll lay those burdens on others, and they'll They'll be the little tattletale going, oh, they didn't do this, oh my, you know, and yet they themselves will not submit to their own beliefs, their own practices, and that's what scribes and Pharisees do. So they make these laws, but they say them and do not. They're not the slightest bit interested themselves in doing them. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers." Now, why are these burdens so grievous to be borne? Well, one, I believe many times they're a grief to God because it becomes self-righteousness. The matter of dress, the styles of dress, Uh, each one has a personal ideal of what they think is modest or what they think is decent. And, uh, you know, a Pharisee lords over that, but then he won't go buy a lady a dress. Uh, A lady Pharisee, if you will, uh, she'll lay a burden on a lady concerning her, her appearance, but she will not go herself and help that lady in any way and buy her a new wardrobe to help her. No, they'll just lay the burden on. And the reason it's grievous to be born is so there are people that cannot obtain or cannot come up to a standard that others have set for them. Though they try miserably, they cannot obtain that standard and they get to the place it becomes it becomes difficult for them. It becomes hard for them. I've watched people conform as they change churches. And this church is a dogmatic about you can't have Facebook, and this church is dogmatic about you can't watch the internet, and this this church is dogmatic about you can't have the internet in your house, and this church is dogmatic about you can have email, but only email, and you can't have any kind of outside links to email, and then another church, they just do whatever you want to do, and then other churches, there's no oversight at all in the home, and, and as they change churches, they change their positions and their practices. Uh, I've known ladies that have taken off head coverings because they changed churches, and put on head coverings because they changed churches. I've known ladies who've laid that burden on other ladies, yet they themselves didn't go and sew them a head covering or cover their head for them. Uh, it, according to the scriptures, just throwing that out there, and it's hard for them to explain that when he says your hair is given to her for a her hair rather is given to her for a covering, but they lay these burdens on them. The idea that you have to have homemade clothes, anything else is worldly. And if a lady doesn't have electricity and or a sewing machine and or the ability to sew, and maybe she doesn't have the time to sew, or maybe she was born without fingers, you know, and and yet that burden's laid on her and therefore she's striving uh, to do right because she's been told this is the right thing. And I'm just using kind of absurd examples, but some of these are realities. You know, you can only do certain things certain days and other days you have to have to step aside. And there are churches that practice Sabbath practice on Saturdays and they assemble on Sundays. The man works 12-hour days, five days a week, but then Saturday is a day of rest because that's the true Sabbath day, and he's supposed to spend that day with his family in rest, and then they assemble themselves, usually on the first day of the week, on a Sunday morning at least, and he's so burdened that he's not allowed to work those days, and so things just fall apart. So again, the Pharisees make rules, they make dress codes, they make standards for your home, You know, they they pick and choose what you're allowed to do, but they don't do anything to help you. They, all their works they do for to be seen of men. There's the problem. Those outward things are so easy to adapt to, but those inward things are very complicated, very difficult to adapt. And you can't see the inward. I can't see the inward change in you. I can see the fruit of it. But sadly, we identify that inward change with outward appearance. And so, you know, a lady comes in and gets saved and all of a sudden she starts dressing slightly different or combs her hair different or, you know, she changes something Her outward appearance We go, oh, she got saved. She must've got saved. But God looked upon the heart. Only God knows. And so we try not to identify that by what we see outwardly because they were not going to move them with one of their fingers. Their works are to be seen of men. The word of God said they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. Now, what is that? The phylactery is that little case where they would scroll, they would keep little scrolls of scripture, little pieces of scripture. And the larger the case, you have the more scripture you have. And I've seen that with people. I've seen that with bumper stickers. I've seen that with cars with fifteen different bumper stickers of verses on them, and repent or perish. And you know, it's almost like a competition if somebody else parked next to you that had sixteen bumper stickers, you had to get two more to make sure that you're a better Christian than them. And I've seen that in the, in the matter of attire. Seen that in the matter of appearance, the matter of the show of the flesh. One family shows up twenty minutes early. The next family shows up twenty five minutes early, just to show that they're better Christians. They they live better, and that's the kind of foolishness he's speaking about. That's what the Pharisees and scribes do to people. Uh, little comments are made. Now I know churches. They get there an hour early, and people just sit there for an hour, just waiting for church to start. I myself don't live that way. I won't put myself under that strain. Won't we'll put my wife under that strain. We leave here at eight thirty on on Sunday mornings if we're going over the mountain to church where we our home church is, and I can't imagine having to tell my wife we're going to leave here at seven thirty just so we can sit there at church and everybody that comes in we can smugly look at them and show them what great Christians we are because we do something they don't do, and that's really where people get. The holidays are a great example about that. Uh, you know, there's men that say, well, we don't do this and we don't do this and we don't decorate this and we don't have the bale bush and we don't have Sandy Claus and we don't have the Grinch. And, you know, and I heard a guy one time, he said, I don't believe in the Grinch. Well, I do. I read the book. I believe in the Grinch. And I I read the book and I saw Grinch. I believe in Whoville. I believe in Cindy Lou Who. You know, I just, it's just reality of life. And and if that makes me carnal, then God bless you. But that's where people are today. They're going to lay these burdens on and you're know, not allowed to watch this. You can't do this. And it's all the list of rules, all contrived by man. That's the problem. That's the root of the problem. They got these phylacteries on their hip. They're showing you how spiritual they are. They have more scriptures bound on them. They've broadened their garments. Well, how have they done that? Well, they Because they have those ribands upon them with little verses, sometimes embroidered in them, sometimes tied into them. And it's just showing people how spiritual they are. You know, when the when the cardinal moves through uh through the church and he comes and he visits and 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 the bishops are looking at the cardinal and they're bowing down to his redness and to his jewels and to his accouterments, and they say, Oh my, look how spiritual he is. And look at his red cap and look at his red cape and the fur lined capes and oh he must be a great spiritual man. And oh, they just bow and they worship and you know, a man has the better suit, and a man has a better Rolex, and a man has a Mont Blanc pen in his pocket. Oh, what a fine Christian. Look at the blessings of God upon his life. And I knew a preacher, man, he used to have the government skill craft pen. Never questioned where he got them. Uh, but he had to have the old-fashioned government skill craft, and it would leak down in his pocket. Always had ink down in his pockets. And I could see the Pharisees, you know, just disdaining the idea that a man would have ink on his shirt because... They've tried to convince everybody they're spiritual. They've tried to convince everybody they're rabans uh, upon the borders of their garments. are larger. Their phylacteries have been largened, And they love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues. They love to be seen. I have preachers ask me about things like this. You know, you go to the standard church, there's four padded chairs up there and, you know, one for the chief of the deacon board, one for the assistant pastor, one for the pastor. And then, you know, usually the song leader, but sometimes they have a guest preacher and they want you to sit up there and. You sit up there, and of course you got to wear your wool garment because you have to have wool clothing or sheep's clothing, as we call it. And you sit up there, and you got your pretty little silk tie, and you're looking prim and proper, and. I've been in those cases because I'm irreverent in some ways, I guess. I, I often sit there and try to look pious, and I don't really know how to look pious, but I, I go overboard looking pious and nod my head disconcertedly at people. And Usually young people are starting to laugh, and people get irritated, but you know, it's just a show, just a big show of the flesh. I despise it. I despise that, that fleshly show. I've seen too much. I've been around it too much, been involved in too much of it. Oh, look how spiritual I am. Look how clean I live. I do this and you don't. And my family does this and you don't. And my family doesn't do this, but your family does this. And all the phoniness of it, the hypocrisy of it, lies and the deceit. That's why he starts to give woes in this chapter. Woe unto you, because you've done this. You love the uppermost seats. You love the chief seats and greetings in the markets. And to be called of men, rabbi, rabbi. Oh, there's nothing they love to be called more than a rabbi. Oh, this is the man that's instructing us. This is the man that's teaching us. And, you know, I myself would like to come in, in a long flowing white garment, maybe some silk or around it, a gold crown upon my head, rings upon my fingers as I pass through the multitudes of my worshipers. They would bow down and hold my hand and kiss my ring and come down to polish my shoes with their tears and, and just, just begin to wipe my feet with their hair because of who I am, and because I am rabbi, and I am the great teacher of all, and I'm the greatest of all. I studied Greek for 12 years in college, got two doctorate degrees, and I took Hebrew for seven years, and lived in Israel for three months, and went to the temple Mount, and went to the wailing wall, and put prayers in the wailing wall, and now I've come back to tell you how great I am. God forbid, God forbid, God forbid a man exalt himself to that place. Love those greetings. And I know my flesh loves to have my name called. There's nothing being big service, lots of preachers there, and somebody call my the evangelist's name. And they compliment the evangelist. And they say, oh, man, his chicken wings are the best chicken wings I ever had. And that just thrills me. Oh, boy, there's nothing. They'll say, "Boy, you eat steak at his house, and, I mean, you won't find finer steak in most restaurants. And, man, I just nod my head in agreement. Amen and Amen. Boy, my flesh loves those compliments. My flesh loves, so does the Pharisee. He loves the exaltation of himself. He loves men to describe him in great swelling words. That's what makes him a Pharisee, God forbid. We'll continue tomorrow with the scribes and the Pharisees.
0: There is a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is You
1: have been listening to the Daily Doctrine podcast with Evangelist Tim McBay. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and some and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine, Evangelist Tim McBay, on iTunes. and remember to look up for there your redemption call
0: at night now the angels of god are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home and the saints all with gladness are singing.